Welcome to the Diversity at Work podcast, where we unpack what it's really going to take to close the gender gap in the workplace. Here is your host, leadership coach and diversity consultant, Andrea Jansen. Hello, on this episode of the podcast, I sat down with Pat Sweet from the Engineering and Leadership blog to talk about strategies for working from home. We talked about productivity methods. We talked about how to stay connected with people when you're working remotely. And we talked about strategies for leaders and also team members so they can show up for the people that they work with and support them where they need it the most right now. I'm really excited about this interview and I actually learned a lot from the productivity hacks that Pat shared. So I'm super excited to share this with you today. Hi, Pat. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Can you introduce yourself and explain what you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, My name is Pat Sweet. I'm a systems engineer, the big defense company called uh, called Lockheed Martin Canada here in uh, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And you also have a blog. I also have a blog. Yeah, it's uh, engineeringandleadership.com. And it's all about exactly what you might expect. Um, I really like the um, where, where the technical world and, and, and business and management kind of intersect. So I write a lot about management of technical teams and leadership, uh, productivity. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, been, uh, that's been a part of my life for, for quite a while now. Okay, so we are in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's yeah. the end of March right now. And I want you to take me back about a month ago and describe what was going on for you professionally. Man, what was going on for me professionally? It was a month ago. Life was normal. Uh, th- there really wasn't uh, a-, a whole lot to write home about. Busy days at the office, uh, working with uh, my colleagues across the country, uh, across several countries for that matter. Uh, but yeah, a month ago, I was getting ready to 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 go on vacation, actually, um, to, to head out to Hawaii to take a break over March break. And life life was looking pretty good at that time. And when did you realize it wasn't business as usual? Uh, pretty well as soon as we left for Hawaii, <laughs> I think is the, is the answer. Um, we, as soon as uh, we left, kind of kept, we, we, we probably paid more attention to the news than we did go to the beach, frankly, just seeing how everything was going to play out, worrying about making our way home and, and making smart choices, frankly. Um, and as soon as we noticed uh the government of canada imposing more and more and more travel restrictions we we did eventually pull the plug and say you know what this is not smart anymore and we uh we we booked flights home about halfway through the 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 scheduled vacation all right so you came home now you're in self-quarantine yeah for two weeks how is that going uh it's it's been an interesting experience so it's uh my my daughter my wife and i have been home for uh for about 10 days now we've got a a few days left to go um everyone's fine everyone's healthy so that's good but it's been a major adjustment i've been working from uh, my basement charlotte our daughter has been bouncing off the walls <laughs> and my and my wife who uh who's a physician has been trying really hard to uh to sort out what going back to work is going to look like when when she finally is allowed to there's a there's a a lot going on okay so is there a silver lining in this so i think 
and, and you and I were discussing a little bit before we we hit record that uh, there's opportunity in every situation. That the the trick is, frankly, to to take the time to look for it. And I don't want to I don't want to mince words here. That the situation we're in globally is 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 terrible, right? And and it's affected people in in catastrophic ways. What I what I pull from this, though, that I think can be a positive is it's forcing um, organizations like mine and organizations all over the world to think about how they work. And one of the things that I'm excited about right now is is being forced to to really think through how uh, working remotely works. Um, one of the things that that has been a positive in the news, one of the few positives is the, uh, the, the, the impact to climate globally and how air pollution levels have dropped and energy use has dropped. This is, all, this is all great because people, frankly, don't have much of a choice but to stay home. So I know personally I've learned a lot and I think my organization has learned a lot through this process about how to uh, facilitate people really truly being mobile. And I, I really do hope that this is something that not just my organization, but, but knowledge work as a whole takes forward once we, we do finally get through the, the COVID-19 pandemic. And so I know you were forced to work from home for the past 10 days. People on your team, I'm assuming, are working from home now. Were there any roadblocks in the early days of remote work? Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and technology is a big one. I happen to be one of the fortunate few that have a, a, a work laptop. I've got a work cell phone. I travel quite a bit as it is for the work that I do. So I'm personally quite comfortable working from home and had the gear to do that. Not everyone on my team uh, was in the same boat. A lot, of, a lot of the guys on my team don't travel at all. So they've got desktops. They don't have cell phones. So the, my company is is really pretty good at providing people with software to allow them to to log into their computers from home but it's not a perfect system and the audio doesn't always work and some of my junior engineers are still on pay-as-you-go cell phone plans so it's not it's not a a good arrangement for these people to to use their personal cell phones for work right it's just not practical um and i think one of the other big roadblocks is is comfort level i know a lot of my younger staff are are very comfortable working at home, working at the office. They're 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 very happy with that. Some of some of my more senior staff really are uncomfortable with the idea of taking work home with them. Similar to how they're uncomfortable taking personal calls at the office. There's a there's a mental block there. It's it's a, a hangover from corporate culture from uh, times past, right? Where taking a call from your spouse at the office was not something you would you would do, right? Work is work, home is home. Um, so there there has been something of a, a a cultural adjustment for for some of my staff too, which has been uh, which has been very very interesting. So is that the younger staff or the more mature staff? Some of my some of my more senior staff okay. uh, are quite a bit less comfortable uh, working from home. That my junior staff more so, but again. A lot of people have just never, never had the opportunity, never, never had the need to work from home. So is there any like things that people are enjoying that are on your team from this situation? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that a lot of people enjoy is they don't have a commute. 
They get to wear what they want. Um, and one of the things that comes up a lot is people find um, that a lot of the common office distractions just don't exist. So people dropping by your cubicle or your office, that doesn't happen anymore. The, the flip side of that is that there are plenty of new distractions at home. So some people, uh, such as myself, I, I, I'm really fine. I benefit from not having the, the pop-ins to my desk and it gives me space to focus. Um, a lot of people though have a really hard time with the new distractions that come their way, the dog barking. Um, my daughter Charlotte likes to come down and show me what she built with her Lego. And, and, and that's totally cool with me, but it's much harder for other people to reset mentally after, after little distractions like that. So that's been, uh, yeah, again, an, an, interesting, an interesting challenge. So let's talk about boundaries because absolutely there is that, I think other distractions, I know I work at home and there's distractions like, oh, I'll just do the laundry or I will just load up the dishwasher. And it's just like, it sucks away from your workday. And some people I know end up working 10 hours instead of eight hours when they're working from home because they do all these little things throughout. So do you want to brainstorm some ideas for setting boundaries? Because I think that'd be really useful right now. Yeah, I, I had a meeting with my staff this morning to discuss this exact thing. And and one of the one of the ideas I shared is that it, a, a distraction can actually be again, there's opportunity in everything, right? A distraction can actually be productive. It's important to step away from your work every so often. the 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 question is, are you in control of when you step away, or is it you're responding to whatever stimulus comes your way? So one of the one of the things that I like to do, one of the things I recommend my staff do. Um, is implement what's called the the pom Pomodoro technique. Are you familiar with this? I've heard of it before, but can you describe it? Yeah, sure. Very, very simple. Uh, a Pomodoro is just a, if I understand it correctly, is the Italian word for tomato. And and all it is, it's a fancy way to set set a kitchen timer. Um, and and the, the name comes from the fact that the person who invented it had a, a tomato-shaped kitchen timer. <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing to it. And the idea is that you set yourself 20 minutes uh, as a block of time and you commit to yourself to say, I'm going to work for 20 minutes, no, come hell or high water, I'm going to sit, that's what I'm going to do. And once those 20 minutes are up, you give yourself permission to stand up, stretch, get that glass of water, top up your cup of coffee. It doesn't need to take any more than, than 60 seconds. And then you come back and you set your next Pomodoro, your next 20 minutes. Often it's helpful to, to think through Okay, how many how many twenty minute blocks is this going to take? This particular task, you know, a really detailed email might be one. Uh, hammering out a first draft of a major report might be three or four, but then you can kind of chunk up your day, and have these these little blocks punctuated with breaks where you you give yourself permission, and then the distractions that you have at home, like switching the loads uh, when you're doing your laundry or emptying the dishwasher, uh, are actually helping you because you do need that mental distance from your work every so often. So what I'd like to remind people is that those distractions happen at the office. You're just, you're just used to them. You're used to getting up for that next cup of coffee at a certain point in your morning. You're used to bumping into Bob when he comes in in the morning. And those just build themselves into your day. And part of what I think a lot of people struggle with is those routines have disappeared. 
but but distraction is already built into your routine for for most people it's just a matter of working with these new ones now and i think you could actually do that technique in the office too and it could be productive absolutely and it, and i do it all the time so this is something that i've taken with me from the office uh to my home setting and and i find it works quite well um one of the other things I do is I've got a dedicated, I'm like you, I've got a dedicated workspace at home. Um, if I were to set up my laptop at the kitchen table, I'd be at the epicenter of everything that's going on at home. My, my daughter, my wife, my dog, everything I could possibly do on my honeydew list is within arm's reach. It'd be incredibly distracting. So I, I set myself up for success by physically putting myself in an environment where it's easier to focus. And then I make these mini commitments with those 20 minute timers. So what about people who live in a small apartment and can't do that? It's either like the bedroom or the kitchen table. How can they bring some of those learnings to their space? Cause they're, yeah. they're I was talking to some people this week and they're, that's what they're facing right yeah, now. It, it's, I, I mean, to, to some extent, it's important to recognize that, yeah, it, it is going to be hard. And that's okay. Um, this isn't. This is a situation that, whether it's easy or not, it's it's a situation we're in, right? Um, so, one of the things that that you could do is you could still you could still manage your environment, right? You could still do things like um, using headphones or or earplugs or facing a certain way. Maybe you need to face the window. Maybe you need to face away from the window. Experiment right? Find something that works. Um, and don't give up on a system just because it has a flaw. There, there's, no, there's no one perfect solution. And as an engineer, this is something that irritates me to no end. I always want a better solution, a better system, a better process. And that's fine and good, but often a process that you can make sense of and one where you understand the drawbacks and can anticipate them is, is better than just always looking for a new idea. If you share your space with other people, like you and I both do, another thing that's really important to do is to discuss with those other people what your plans are, what your needs are, um, and to and to brainstorm with those people how how you can make things work. So, uh, for me, um, and and you're in a similar boat. Our spouses are also working at home right now. Our kids are also at home right now. So I have discussions with my wife about, okay, what do you need today? I have meetings at these times. When are your meetings? How can we work together to make sure our daughter's not just sitting in front of the TV all day, right? I have discussions with my daughter about, you know, what's important for her today and to let her know, you know, if I have my headphones on and I'm talking on the phone, an important rule is that you hang on to your question and we talk about it once I hang up, right? It's not about saying, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not trying to pretend I'm not home. I'm not trying to pretend my daughter's not around, but I, I do need to modify what would be the normal rules of engagement when daddy's at home, right? And she, and she gets that, right? And, and she has her own work. She's doing her homework uh, at the same time I'm doing my work. So it's kind of like we're all, we're all in this together, right? Yeah. And I've also noticed for myself when I'm having meetings and a couple kids have, you know, shown up in the background on the video chat, um, people have a lot of grace and sometimes interruptions like a dog or a child bring joy to people. Absolutely. And I'm just thinking, I'm just finding that is really, it's kind of 
an opportunity, a silver lining that I've been noticing is that even when I've been talking to other people, I can see their kids and some of them, some, I work with clients like all over the place. So some, like, I don't know them in person necessarily, but then I can get to know their kids because I see them walking in the background and it's kind of, it's a neat way to connect with people in a different way that I have never connected with them before. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of my, one of my colleagues, we were on a big conference call, heard Charlotte in the background talking about the Lego she was making. So he kind of stopped what he was saying and asked Charlotte how she was doing. And, you know, it was, it was this nice opportunity for me to share a bit of my life with 25 of my, of, of my colleagues. And, and here's the thing, everyone gets it. Everyone's in the same boat. So you don't have to be embarrassed about owning a dog who might bark from time to time. That's, that's part of life. One of the things that teams are going to really struggle with right now are those, are those little connections, those little happenstance interactions that happen to the office. Maybe you've got a friend who likes the same music you do or the same sports you do or, or whatever. When you're not running into that person in the hallway, you can't have those chats. You can't build that rapport. So allowing your life to, to, uh, be part of what's happening on those conference calls is okay. And, and in some ways really important, I think, I, I, I think you nailed it, Andrea. This is, uh, this is, this is a silver lining for sure. That is the silver lining. Cause I think one thing that I know, cause I've been talking to a lot of people about this lately. And one person was saying it's people associate work with the place. If you've never worked remotely, if you've always worked in an office or worked in a store or a warehouse or wherever you associate work with that place. And it's really hard for people because you lose that connection when you're not connected to that place and all these other people, the common connection is the place. And now you don't have that place anymore. So finding ways to stay connected in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and those informal interactions are super important. Like if you can set up a Slack channel just for, for shooting the breeze with the people you work with, d- do it. You know, my dad uh, recently set up a, a virtual beer and pizza with his colleagues who he, he normally goes out to, uh, to a Boston pizza on Thursdays after work. They can't do that anymore. So they all had a, a pint from their own respective kitchens over video chat, right? I love that. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, was... I used to do that with a bunch of other people that worked from home. Madeline's Madeline had that Madeline's a coach. Actually, we both worked with her. She used to have um, social nights where we'd all go on zoom video conference, have a glass of wine and just hang out. So I think adding things like that into your team and trying to keep things as normal as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very important. So is there anything that is an absolute no, no for working at home? Um, I would say I would say what's probably most important when your colleagues, your managers, your clients can't pop by to see what you're doing is to make it absolutely 100% clear that that you can be trusted to do what you say you're going to do, to show up and be available when you say you are, to do the work when you say you're going to do it. Um, the level of accountability for each individual skyrockets in a situation like this. And you have to be extra diligent about keeping your promises. You, you, you just can't blow people off. You can't skip that meeting because 
the 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 snowball effect is it can spiral out of control real quick if people think you're collecting a paycheck while watching netflix this is this is serious reputational harm and and here's the thing people don't know but they're they're really good at telling themselves stories right you miss an important meeting uh it's easy to tell the story pats off watching netflix or or playing barbies with his daughter when in fact it could just be that uh, maybe you're sick you know <laughs> maybe it was you know you can miss a meeting at the office but no one thinks much about it because they see you at the office obviously you're not home watching netflix so um, um, really being diligent about keeping those commitments is, is critical at a time like this. I love that you brought that up, that it's your reputation that matters. You have to show up. You have to decide. You got to show that you are working. You are doing whatever you can to keep the business moving forward because it is an uncertain time, right? Like we don't know what's going to happen. And it's almost like we actually do need all hands on deck to keep the company operating. But I have another question. What about leaders? Because I think right now there's a climate of leaders not trusting that are, their employees have that diligence that you talked about, care about their reputations, and are kind of willing to do whatever it takes to keep the business moving forward. How can that trust go from the top down? Yeah, that, that that's a really interesting question. And and uh, I, I recently wrote about this on on my blog about um, things that leaders can do to make this situation work. And one of the keys I think for leaders is to to be even more trusting with your people. And what I mean by that is you've got to get comfortable letting little bad things happen. Meaning, if you would normally check in with a given junior staffer two or three times a day, that, that's probably not practical right now, right? The demands on your time as a leader are, are, being, are being pushed to the max, right? There are an awful lot of people who need an awful lot of touch points just to get through a regular day. And if you can bring yourself to trust people with things that you wouldn't normally, you might just surprise yourself at what people are capable of and, and how people are able to step up. And that does two important things. One, that helps your people grow. Two, that helps you keep your wits about you, right? You've got to sleep at some point. You've got to take care of yourself. So you, you can't expect to operate the same way, given that the environment has changed as drastically as, as it has. Um, the other thing you can do is, is loop in your more senior folks. Give them the opportunity to lead, right? You don't have to do it all. And, and in fact, that's good advice even back in the office. But it, 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 gets, it gets to become even more important to trust people to share the load. Uh, that's critical. I love that. So just assuming that trust and what happens if there you assume that trust and you're just like, it is not working. They are yeah. not delivering. What's the best way forward for a leader? Yeah. So it, it depends on the situation, obviously. Um, if, if for whatever reason, there's um, uh, a failure to meet expectations, you have to think through how clearly you set those expectations in the first place. A lot of us are guilty from having a rule book that we don't tell anyone about, right? You expect people to show up at a certain time. You expect people to dress a certain way. You expect people to address you a certain way. And maybe those are all reasonable expectations, but if you don't 
communicate those and your team just has to kind of learn it over time and hope to get it right, then, then the problem is with you. One of the things you can do, and I think is important to do right now, is to reset expectations. If, if you and your team have expectations that are values-based, like, you know, we value trust, we value on-time delivery, we, we value extraordinarily high quality, those, those things probably don't change. But if, if there are things related to communications or, or, or being there for one another or any number of other very good things, if you're working from home, maybe you need to revisit that. So setting clear expectations is important. The other thing is to have the, have the guts to follow up with people sooner than later, uh, where you might be comfortable in an office setting kind of keeping a closer eye on someone if things aren't going well and, and really gathering your notes, so to speak, over time. You can't do that if you're not able to pop your head into someone's cubicle as you walk by. Um, so there, there's a really, really good book out there uh, called Crucial Conversations. Um, so I'd recommend, I'd recommend that to anyone who is a, who's a leader. And what it teaches is how to approach uh, how to approach a conversation where you as a leader feel like things are not going all that great. And there's a risk that the person you're approaching sees it very differently, where there's that, that, that caught that likely conflict in how you view a situation. Which happens all the time, right? Let's see. All the time, all the time, all the time. Every day, pretty much if you're a leader. And, and it really steps you through a framework for how do you approach that in a way that is respectful, that is kind and, and really oriented toward coming up with a solution. Um, okay. Right? So really it's Very like over communicate, over communicate, yeah. focus on solutions and check in more often than you do. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. kind of the best thing to way forward. I love that. If you don't, if you don't already have really regular one-on-ones with your staff, schedule them now. It might be, it might be awkward at first. Uh, because maybe before you didn't have to schedule them. Now you do make, yeah. make a point of it. Cause you're not just walking by and be like, Hey, let's just do a quick 15 minute update as I'm walking by your desk or I see you at lunch. And yeah, cause a lot of those casual conversations, actually a lot of ideas happen that way. So we oh, need yeah. to be yeah. way more intentional about connecting with people. And I love that beer and pizza idea that happened because that's where like the casual ideas, the kind of relationships build that way. So keeping those going virtually, which is, there's lots of creative ways you could do that. So thank you so much for coming on, Pat. I like to give everybody a one takeaway at the end of every podcast episode. So what is something that people can do within the next 24 hours to implement what they've learned from hearing from you? Oh, re- really good question. Um, in the next 24 hours, I would say one simple thing you can do is take a look, take a look at your calendar. Take a look at things like standing meetings and really think through whether or not those make sense anymore. If, if we all need to do a better job of communicating more and with more intention, that's a really good way to, to take specific action it's simple it's easy it's concrete and and rejig things if you need to to make sure that you are more available uh, to your people and and that you are giving them every opportunity to share with you and collaborate with you that that on its own 
uh, can make can make a world of difference in a situation like this. I love that. So if people want to learn more about you or the engineering and leadership blog, how do they find it? Oh, it's, it's, it's as simple as can be. Just go to engineeringandleadership.com uh, and you'll see everything there is to see there. My contact information, the, the podcast, uh, and uh, people can, can absolutely reach out to me from there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Pat. This was really helpful. And I'm actually going to try the Pomodoro technique tomorrow. I tried it last year, but I did not commit to it long enough. So I'm going to try it again tomorrow because I think it's going to be really helpful right now for me. Fantastic. I'll, I'll be checking in. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Hi there. Before you go, I was wondering if I could ask you a huge favor. Can you click on iTunes and give the podcast a five-star review and also a comment? This would mean the world to me. It also helps us to spread the word about the podcast and attract higher profile guests. We want to be able to deliver thought leadership around diversity and inclusion every single week and having more reviews on iTunes will help us to do that and help us to keep the show going for free for you. So please head to iTunes right now, give us a five-star review and leave us a comment. Thanks so much. 